And aren't you grateful for Calvary, for the Christ who died on our behalf in our place? Thank God for the work that he completed in Christ. It's good to see you tonight, and glad to be back with you and to have the opportunity to speak. Um, Pastor, thank you very much for the opportunity. And um, if, if I'm big guns, you guys are in trouble. So uh, we're going to be in the book of Colossians tonight, if you have your Bible. Somehow, Pastor Rick always gets the most interesting announcement. It's just um, some people, I guess, just are magnets to nonsensical things. So, uh, <clears throat> not your wife. That's not what I meant by that. I just, for clarification, that's not what I was saying at all. I just. Uh. Okay, hey, if, we, if, if for some reason um, we've not yet had the opportunity to meet, um, I'm looking around and I think I recognize almost everybody, but uh, if we've not yet had the opportunity, Tim Thompson is my name, my wife Brittany, and then God has blessed us with four boys, two of whom you just sang, heard sing a moment ago, and uh, we're on the road about nine and a half, ten months out of the year traveling in revival work, traveling and preaching. We were here in September for revival meetings. And as Pastor mentioned, we've had the privilege of being here on a number of occasions. So I'm glad to be able to be back tonight. I'm not going to take a lot of time with introductions because I think we, we know we've been here for the last um, week. And so I've been able to reconnect with you all, which we always enjoy. I appreciate Pastor Peterson um, mentioning about um, this feeling like home. We just come home every once in a while because that is honestly the way we feel about First Baptist Church of Land O'Lakes. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the first year uh, would have been that we would have come. I think it was 2003, 2004, somewhere in that area, because I came and spoke for a youth thing when Pastor Rick, man, that was a long time ago. You were able to keep up with young people and everything. Um, so this was a number, of, a number of years ago. We're going to speak on being kind tonight, one to another, <laughs> tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Um, so uh, it's been a long time, and we... And I mean this honestly, we love it every time we get, we get to come. And we've had, over the years, the opportunity to speak in the school and in the church and to be a part of several of the facets of the ministries of First Baptist Church of Land O'Lakes. I'm grateful to be able to do that. Okay, Colossians chapter number one is where we're going to be. And um, I, I, I told my parents just before we came over, I went over to mom and dad's trailer and I said to mom, when pastor mentioned to me about speaking, he mentioned to me on Wednesday night, I started looking at a passage on working on organizing Thursday and Friday, looking at a passage that God had already been dealing in my heart about. And at first I was like, oh man, I hope, I hope that there's enough in what I'm thinking to say to take up 30 minutes. And then uh, by the time I got finished, I was like, ah, 30 minutes <laughs> or an hour and 30 minutes or something like that. Because here's the deal, and maybe if you've ever taught um, in a class, a Sunday school class, or if you've ever had the opportunity to preach before, this, you may appreciate this. When you start looking at passages of Scripture, in particular the letters that were written by apostles, um, a letter like what we're about to read from, in, in the letter to the church at Colossae, Colossians, this letter is a um, letter, meaning it's meant to be read from beginning to end. Now, the problem is that in this letter that Paul writes, and when God moved in the hearts of the apostles to write to these different churches, they say things almost in passing that when you're looking through them, you go, okay, um, I need to make sure everybody understands what that phrase 
means because that has deeper significance than just a passing thought. But the idea of the letter is that it all be read together and there's a conveying truth through the whole thing. So I started looking recently at Colossians chapter 1 and just looking at what is the introduction of what Paul is going to say by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to this church that's in Colossae. Now, you need to understand this about this letter that he writes. When Paul writes this letter, he writes to a church. Uh, there's some argument about whether or not he had ever actually been there before. He had some connection to them. He had helped to appoint the person who was the pastor at uh, Colossae. But as far as whether or not he was ever there, we're not, we're not confident regarding that. But he's writing to a church that he is confident is doing a good job with living out their faith. And he deals with some doctrinal issues that they need to be shored up on and some things that um, he's afraid are sneaking into the church, some truths, uh, non-truths that are sneaking into the church. And Paul deals with that. But for the most part, this is really, um, well, I've referred to it before as Coach Paul putting his arm around a church and saying, in essence, you're doing well. I want to instruct you on how to continue to do well and to continue to do better. And Paul takes this letter to really encourage and give some direction so that this church can be everything that God intended for them to be in a time and in a society that was very anti-God. And you can see that in some of the things that he says. So in the introduction of this letter, um, Paul basically lays out what his plan is in, um, in delivering these truths. That is, he, he gives the framework for uh, the scope and the boundaries of what it is that he's going to say. He tells them who this is to in the, in the introduction. In the first chapter, actually the first 14 verses of the first chapter, he says, in essence, who this letter is written to, uh, what it is that they need to know, and why it matters to them. So that I think, brothers and sisters, that it is very appropriate that we see what it is that God told Paul to write to the church at Colossae, and then because of God's desire for us to hear the same thing, he had it inscripturated. He preserved it so that we might also gain the instruction. So we don't have time tonight, obviously. Though the first 14 verses give the scope and the framework for the entire letter, we don't have the time tonight and for me to still have friends at the church to flesh out everything, but we're going to give it our best shot, okay? Here we go. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, Colossians chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus, or in Christ, which are at Colossae, I love this, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all saints. 
for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the go uh, word of the truth of the gospel. I'm going to stop real quickly, just because I don't want you to forget as I'm reading this that in what I'm in what we're reading right now, this is Paul setting up the framework for the entire letter. He's explaining everything that he's going to tell them and why it matters. So as you're reading along, that's, that's what you're thinking. Okay, here's not the summary, but the intro. Um, so let's go back to verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers ah, of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us under the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray, ask the Lord to help me to be able to say the things that are important and necessary for us to gain what it is he has for us to gain. If you're a believer, and I'm gonna guess that many of you already have made your decision to trust Christ, you've come to that place, then ask the Lord to speak to you. You don't, you don't want this to be wasted. I don't want it to be wasted. So let's go to the Lord in sincerity and ask him to speak to us tonight. Uh, Father, it is a pleasure to be able to gather together with um, your people, uh, those who have experienced uh, the salvation, the being made meet to be partakers of the inheritance because of your provision through your son. And to gather together tonight and to take some time together to worship you in the songs that we sing and to remember your marvelous acts and works towards us in the songs that we've sung and enjoy hearing the children sing and the special music and even being reminded just through the piano playing and seeing words on the screen of your love, your goodness, and your sufficiency. And now, Father, in sincerity, I come before you and I ask you, please, to help me to be able to say the things that you have said to explain what you have said and recorded for us in such a way so that in this short amount of time, those of us who have gathered together to hear from you would do just exactly that. Help me to speak clearly and say in a succinct fashion the things that you want to have said. If there are things that I'm planning on saying, but they would not be helpful or you don't want them said, then strike them please from my mind or if there are things that you want to have said, but I'm not thinking to say them right now, then put it on my heart and my mind, help me to know it's from you, and please give me the courage to say it. I love you, Father, and again, I thank you for both your goodness and for the opportunity you've given us tonight. All of this, Father, we bring before you with thanksgiving, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right. 
So in the brief time that we had together now, let me just point out to you what the framework is, what it is that's set up as this is what Paul is writing this letter regarding. And then with the time that we have, we'll look at a couple of the ways that we see that um, irrigated out, how it shoots out. And the reason why I say that is because as it shoots out is where it gets to your life. See, the fact of the matter is, is as a preacher, just for what it's worth, it is easier to preach the um, outcome of the truths at the beginning of this book than it is to preach the truths at the beginning. Not that it's difficult to say the things that are said in the beginning, only that the outcome is how it's supposed to affect our lives. But if you hear, if when you hear what it is that Paul is saying is expected from your life, if you don't understand the reason why he's saying this is expected, then you'll end up attempting to live the Christian life in the flesh, and that is a failure before it ever happens, and that is burnout before you can ever have, uh, I'll use the word success, in the Christian life. So at the beginning, Paul just lays out these, these simple truths. Number one, we see it in the introduction. Um, look at verse number two, if you would please, as he explains who it is that he's writing this to. He says, I'm writing this to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus, which are at Colossae. And then here's what he says, and this is interesting. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul is setting up this framework, he basically gives us um, three parts to this framework as he explains what it is he's going to go through in this letter. And the first thing that he mentions here are the gifts that God gives, namely in verse number two, the grace and the peace. Now, pastor, this year and over the last couple Sundays that I've been privileged to be able to hear him has preached quite a bit about grace and so I don't think there's a lot of need for me to spend much time on it. In fact, I, I will just reference a couple of things that he's said because it's, it's um, good for us to be reminded of them. The pastor has mentioned a couple of times, and it's true biblically, about grace and how in salvation that grace is um, God giving to us what we don't deserve, that he gives us eternal salvation. It's his kindness, his gift to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the Christian life, it's his enabling. God's enabling us to do what it is that he's called us to do. Now, in reality, the, the two are not two separate graces. It, it's not as if um, grace for salvation and grace for living are opposites or different. It's different aspects of the kindness and gift of God. In fact, you can see this in um, John 1, when the Bible talks about Christ having come to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, Christ, to them who received him, gave he power, ability, strength, enabling to become the sons of God. So that the two are interconnected, but you see grace displayed to those who are without Christ in a special way through this kindness of God in offering salvation. And to believers, you see this grace as the kindness of God to us, enabling us to be and to do what it is that God wants us to be and do. And here, Paul mentions again at the beginning when he's speaking to these believers, he says to them, I write to you and I remind you, that God has given you grace and peace. And these are gifts from God. And they're precious gifts from God. 
And I will tell you, church, that the moment that you begin to live your life forgetting the fact that God is the one who gives you grace and that God is the one who offers peace, you have stepped outside of the framework of what God intends for you to have in and through Christ in order to be what he'd have you to be. In other words, if Coach Paul were here tonight and he were to put his arm around First Baptist Church of Land Lakes and say, I have some things I want to explain to you, and God has inspired me to say this. Oh, by the way, this begins with, I want you to remember that you have grace and peace through Christ that God has given this to you. And if you ignored that or set it aside or thought it a trivial thing that Paul just says in every one of his letters, it really doesn't mean anything at all. It's just kind of like a dear whoever in a letter that we would write. It has no meaning. It's just what we say. And if you were to set that aside and forget the grace and peace of God for you, then you have started off on a wrong foot and you can't recover until you come back to remember it is God's grace is enabling, and his peace that he's offered through Christ that is what gives you the opportunity to be what it is that he wants you to be. So just quickly, don't ever forget, don't ever let far from your mind and heart the grace and peace of God to you. His grace is amazing. His peace passes all understanding. Oh, and by, by the way, let me just say this as a quick aside. Do you know how that grace and peace is accessed in your life? For by grace are you saved through. Okay, so God has offered this gift, grace and peace. And every grace and peace that is offered by God is available, but it is only accessed when we by faith receive it, right? This, this was especially, um, Brittany, you have to correct me if this is the wrong word, pungent to me. Does that work? Okay. Poignant? Poignant? All right. Can you write that down so I can remember that next time? <laughs> this was especially, especially poignant. That's probably better than pungent. Pungent has a bad connotation. Like that. <laughs> poignant to me. When... Um, in, in, in my family, uh, Sarah Averett is my niece. I think most everybody would know that. Her dad is my brother. He's not as good looking as I am, but he is my brother. And Sarah's um, next youngest sibling, Abigail, um, was born with a uh, chromosome disorder. And in birth, um, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck, and so there was, there was some brain damage that happened along with. And Abby dealt with seizures and a lot of different things. And, and um, Sarah, was Abby 21 when, when the Lord took her? Okay, so Abby was 21 years old when the Lord took her, but she was on the level mentally of probably a half. Well, she could walk, but as far as nonverbal, so 18 months, somewhere in there, she was larger than 18 months, but she was, she was on that mental level. Well, so, so my brother and his wife cared for Abby for 21 years as if an infant. 
well, that's a lot of care. I mean, that's hands-on every day. That's not, that's not um, send off and then at the end of the day come back, ask how the day was, see if there were any problems at school, and converse about it. It's every day, every day care. So when God took Abby, um, it was a huge adjustment. We happened to be um, finished with camp. We were not yet started into meetings. We had some time, so Brittany and the boys and I went, went north where John lived up in Michigan and went and spent some time. And I called a pastor friend of mine on the way up, and, or he had called me, and I let him know what was going on. And he made this statement to me, and I went, oh, wow, you know what, that's true, not only for this, but in so many areas. He said, well, look, I understand that this is a very difficult time. He said, but the grace of God is sufficient if they'll by faith receive it. It doesn't mean there's not tears. But the grace and peace of God is always sufficient when we by faith receive what it is that God has to offer. <laughs> so this is not just a fly-by statement that means nothing. It's true. Paul says it in um, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, not Hebrews, we don't know if you wrote it. Hebrews doesn't say it there. And then Peter mentions it in 2 John, it's mentioned. So it's used over and over again, almost as a mantra so that it can almost be at, but that's not its intent. It's grace and peace with God. And that grace is always available. So as Paul sets up this structure, telling what, what this letter's about in order to help you to be everything that God wants you to be, he starts off by saying, hey, remember who you are and what it is that God has given to you, this grace and this peace. And then continue on. The second thing he shows, not only this gift of grace and peace, um, but he talks about the tokens of who these people were. Look, look down at verse number, well, let's, let's continue reading. Verse number three. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Quick time out. Would you look up here just for a minute? Paul says, praying always for you. And then it, you could almost, from verse four to verse eight, put a parenthesis because in verse number nine, he comes back and continues the statement where he says, for this cause also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And he continues his thought. But in that parenthesis he, he gives, he says something that is, um, okay, this is valuable. This is important. As he's setting up who he's speaking to and what they're supposed to do with it and why it matters. In verse number four, he says this. We're going to pray for you in verse three, he says, since we heard of your, now look at this, faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. We're going to stop right there just for a moment. Now, Paul here mentions three things that caused him to begin to pray for these people as believers. He does not say here that these three things in them makes them believers, only that when he heard these things as being in them, he went, okay, these are the tokens. This is what makes me know that these people belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in my brain, here's the way I watch this happen. We already know from what we read a moment ago that Epaphras was the pastor at the church at Colossae, 
and Epaphras comes in my brain. Forgive, forgive the imagination for a moment. So in my brain, I'm watching Epaphras come up to visit Paul. Paul doesn't know he's coming. He sees Epaphras. Oh, wow. Paul's in Rome, by the way. Um, he's in Rome, in jail, in trouble again. And Epaphras comes and Paul says, Epaphras, wow. Hey, this is a long way from home, from home for you. It's good to see you. Yeah, Paul, we had some questions. We wanted to talk to you. Hey, tell me about how things are going ministry-wise back home. Ah, oh, Epaphras says, let me tell you something. We have got a beautiful piece of property. We have got the people, we've got a beautiful piece of property with a great building and some great organization. And we have some people on the staff in this gathering, in this church. Oh, the things, things are running smoothly. Oh, Paul says, then I have some instruction for you. Is that what Paul learns from Epaphras about the people that causes Paul to want to instruct them as believers? You know, Epaphras comes, hey, Paul, let me tell you about the faith of the people back at Colossae. Their faith is in Christ. They have accepted, they have received the salvation that is offered. They believe Christ to be who he claimed to be. They've received the message by faith. Oh, and not only that, Paul, you should see the way they love one another. Man, these people used to be self-centered, self-promoting concerned only with what happened in their society, but no more. Oh, Paul, there is, there is love between them. Forgiveness? Oh, man. You should, you should see some of the forgiveness that takes place. And, Paul, they've not left, lost hope. Yeah. Back, back in society, back in Colossae, Things are, things are bad. I mean, the gods that everybody else worshiped and the self-servingness of society is incredible. But the people who have by faith received Christ and are living, loving one another also have not left off of the hope of the eternal glory. They have believed what God has said about eternity and they are not willing to sacrifice that for just living for right now. And it was that in the lives of the church at Colossae that gave confidence to Paul to say, ah, I can see in their lives that they're really following the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, it's not just here. Now, again, it's not a matter of, well, if you don't, if you don't live in hope, or if you don't love one another, if you don't forgive, then you don't really belong to Christ. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the token, the showing of their faith in Christ was borne out. It was obvious because they had by faith received Christ. That faith had done in them the work of God to cause them to love one another. And they, they were living in this hope. And just in case, again, you think this is just a one-time deal. Are, are you familiar with 1 Corinthians 13? You know what 1 Corinthians 13 is about? What, what do we refer to 1 Corinthians 13 as? 
Okay, the chapter of love. All right, so you don't, you don't need to turn it. Let me just quote it for you. Not the entire chapter. The very end, verse number 13. So after the whole chapter of um, love doesn't think evil, and uh, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I become sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And Paul goes through and he defines and he describes and he shows what love really looks like and how love acts out. At the very end, he says this, and now abideth. Do you remember? Faith, hope. Oh. These three, he says. Oh, and by the way, the greatest of these is this charity, this love. The point being, when you begin to see repeated themes like this, it causes us to go, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. And this is important. And here's why this matters. Okay, please catch this. Because the moment that we begin to live out First Baptist, the moment you begin to live out what you think is good church, but it is divorced from faith, hope, and charity, then you're building on the wrong foundation. It, it, would, be, it would be a shame for, for you to have this beautiful piece of property and the organization that allows this church to do well and the school to exist and to add on so that there's a nursery because it's needed and all of these things, but for it to be removed from faith, hope, and charity because at that point it may be a successful business, but it is not what God intended for his church to be. So the point is not don't have a school, don't have organization. Whoa, no, 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 no. All of those things are good when they come out of faith. I believe that what God says is so, and I'm trusting him. What he says to do, I'm going to step forward. Hey, by the way, this church is made up of families and made up of individual believers so that this works in your family as well. Your family needs to be built on this foundation of faith, hope, and charity, where you follow what it is that God has for you to do, what, what the next step is, and trust, trust God with what it is that he wants you to do. And do it, do it asking, receiving, uh, begging God for the love in your heart towards other people instead of just doing it out of strict duty. Love does what's right, that is true, but just doing what's kind or right by someone is not always love is not always garnered or begun by love. Having the kind of love that God intends for us to have for students, for children, for each other, for the community, that is something that we need to come from God to us. And it causes us to do what is right, but it's something we desperately need. So Paul, I gotta keep on moving. So Paul, in just setting up this, in setting up this letter, he says, okay, remember, you have grace and peace. I'm writing this to you. You have grace and peace. It's available to you. Don't forget it. Don't let that be far from your heart and mind. Ah, this has been provided for you, this grace and peace. Receive by faith what God has given to you. Look, I'm writing this to you who have in your life faith, hope, and love because that's who this is about. And I'm praying for you. 
And then Paul lays out basically, here's what it is that I'm praying for you. Now, this is interesting because when Paul um, begins this prayer, verse, verse number nine again, for this cause also, since the day we heard it, heard what? Just, just because I want to make sure you're understanding. Since we heard what? You can say it out loud. It's all right. I won't tell. Your faith, your love, and hope, right? Okay. Ever since I heard about this, and I, from that, I was going, ah, I can see that God is working, that your, your believers, it shows to me what it is that has already happened to you by faith in Christ. Since we heard of it, for this cause also, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire. Stop real quickly. Now, when I read this, I, it made me think of um, it made me think of the way that I deal with my kiddos sometimes. So, oftentimes in our household at night before we go to bed, um, we'll, as a family, we'll get together. Uh, and, and we'll pray, and we may have several pray, or I just may, just may talk to the Lord and thank Him for the day. And then oftentimes, in the presence of the boys, I will begin to pray for each one of my boys individually. And I will, I will even pray before God in their presence regarding some things that need to be adjusted in them. And I'm not... I'm not using prayer as a sermon opportunity, but I'm honestly and earnestly asking God on their behalf regarding some shortcomings. And I'm glad for them to listen in because when they hear that, if they're thinking at all, they're going, okay, dad is asking God to help me with whatever, that means dad's probably going to do some adjusting in that area in my life. He's not only asking God, but he's going to take some steps of action. So when I hear Paul say to these believers, I'm praying for you, and I'm not going to stop praying for you, and I desire this for you, then automatically I go, okay, here's what Paul is going to deal with in the rest of this letter. Here's what he's going to explain to these believers of what they need. And look at what he, look at what he says. For this cause, verse 9, since the day we heard about your faith, your hope, your love, we don't cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It continues, so that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. This is Coach Paul, remember? Being fruitful in every work. This is what I want for you. I'm praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. And as a result of that, then, you'll be able to walk worthy of the Lord. You'll please him. You'll be fruitful in every good work. And you'll continue to increase in the knowledge of God. How is this going to happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. You'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Check that again, church. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and suffering with joyfulness. And he continues the thought, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, so here's what he says, and I, I gotta stop. I was right the second time, um, an hour and a half. 
Um, when, Paul lays, when Paul lays out what his desire, his prayer for them is, what he says for them is this. My prayer for you is that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will with spiritual understanding. Church, let me just encourage. Take some time in the next week, week and a half, to read through the letter of the Church of Colossae because here's what you're going to find. Over and over and over in the next chapter and a half, Paul's going to talk about understanding and wisdom. And you know what that understanding of his will and wisdom is all about? Do you know? It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about who he is, the mystery of the Father and the Son, the work and the sufficiency of Christ on the cross. The knowledge of the will of God is that we Gentiles have been welcomed into the family of God. Thanks be to God. And he has offered to us a full forgiveness and a full pardon. And he has made us then to be a part of his family. And he says in this making us an understanding about what it is that he has done and causing us to be a part of this family, he then says so that you can do what it is. Because then he says as a result of what you have now in Christ, guess what's going to change for you? Everything, not only your eternity, but your relationship, wives to your husband, is going to change. And husband to your wife and parents to your children. The way you treat one another and act towards one another, all of that is going to be adjusted because you're realizing and you're coming to the truth that the will of God is to do a transforming work in you that cannot be done ah, just by self-will or ah, the right organization or reading through the right number of steps. God is in the transforming work. That's what God wants to do. And the reason why I think this is so important, by the way, at the end of, towards the end of his instruction, chapter three, real quickly, chapter three. Seek those things. If ye then be risen with Christ, that's the knowledge. You're risen with Christ. Christ is sufficient. You've trusted him. Chapter three, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And you have this instruction then that begins to show out how your life is going to be renovated and changed as a result of what it is that Christ has done in you. And as he begins to lay this out, it shows the absolute necessity of dependence on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and for me to do and to be what it is that God wants us to do and to be. So look, if you find yourself coming short in the area of being everything that God wants you to be, then everything points back to, hey, this is all about Christ in you. You connect with Jesus Christ based upon what it is that Christ has done for you. Connect with him. Walk with him. Talk with him. Let the word of Christ, this is Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell 
in you richly. And as you allow the word of Christ and Christ himself to dwell, as you receive, accept by faith, humbly, allow and invite the work and the spirit of God to do in you the work that Christ wants to do in you, then you're going to be able to step forward and to do all the things that God would have you to do and to be what God would have you to be. Again, this was a, uh, a little bit scattered only because I underestimated, overestimated. Well, this is what happens when big guns come. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yes. If you'll see the framework of Colossians chapter 1 and see who Paul's writing to and what his point is, and then you'll take time to look through, I'm confident, listen, friends, I'm confident, you're, you, are, you are going to, um, <laughs> you're going to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ all over again. And when you begin to then act on that and walk in that relationship with him, then what you're going to find out is all of the things all of this seeking things and living for things that are eternal and seeking the things that are above that God calls you to is something that almost naturally, it's, it's a choice, but it's naturally going to be the choice that you're going to want to make because of the work of Christ in you. Does that make sense? As opposed to, hey, let me just skip to, I need to do this. Ah, no. We start back at grace and peace. We start back at faith, hope, love. We go through the will of God for us in all wisdom, which is Christ in us and the sufficiency of Christ. And that becomes the platform. That becomes the diving board off of which we then begin to plunge into the life that God has for us. And may God help First Baptist Church of Land Lakes and every family and every individual that makes up the church family of First Baptist Church of Land Lakes to be everything that God wants it to be. Father, I love you, and I'm grateful for your provision. Oh, how sufficient, how sufficient you are, that you are the fulfilling of everything that we cannot be in our flesh, and how short we come on our own, but that for us, that for us doesn't matter unless we just live in it or attempt to adjust on our own, that you are, have, do, provide. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bearing in your body our sins. Thank you for being everything that is necessary, everything that's needed. You, you fulfilled not only our salvation, you fulfilled all the work that was necessary so that we might walk in um, in you and live for things that are eternal and have hearts that in the midst of a society that we now live in, we find ourselves in a society that is very anti-you, but we don't have to live in that. We can um, live for things that are eternal. And that is what we want or it's what we want to want. And so, by faith, we receive what it is that you have provided for us knowing, my Lord, the work that you have accomplished, we step forward in faith, depending on you, to cause us to do the things that you'd have us to do and to have impact for eternity.
Again, we love you. We ask your help now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just, just before pastor, whoever comes to close the service, however they see fit, let me just briefly ask this. Um, two questions. One, I, I've mentioned tonight about the provision of Christ for our sin that God has offered this gift of grace, eternal life. But I wonder if there's someone here who you're, either you know you have not received from God forgiveness of sins or you're not sure about that. that that's not something that you're confident about. But you're thinking to yourself, wow, if I could have, if I could have God forgive my sins and save me from the penalty of sin, that is something that I would, that I would love to have. Now, if, that, if that's you tonight, we would love to both pray for you and also be a help to you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's your desire, again, you'd say, Tim, I, just, I don't know that I have received the forgiveness of sins. I don't know that I've received the gift of grace from God, this kindness that saves me from my sins, but I would like to know that or I have questions about it. Would you slip up your hand if that's you tonight and let me pray for you? I'm not embarrassed you, I promise, but I will pray for you. Anyone, anyone like that? Okay, second question then. I wonder how many believers tonight would say by an uplifted hand. But Tim, in looking just at the framework for what's laid out for Colossians 1, the Lord has spoken to my heart in an area or in several areas ah, regarding this grace and hope, or grace and peace rather, or this faith and hope and love, or perhaps in living in the knowledge of God and seeking the things that are above. There, there's a work of God that is being done and needs to be done in me regarding these things, and I know it. And God's dealt in my heart about something specific, and you'd say by an uplifted hand. Brother Tim, please, please pray with me about it. Anyone like that tonight, may I pray with you about it? Okay, all right, a number of hands. And I hope you'll respond in faith and humility before God. Let's do this. Let me just pray. When I'm finished praying, we'll just have a brief song um, played by Brittany on the piano. If God's dealt in your heart, you do business with the Lord and then pastor or whomever can close the service as they see fit. Father, please hear the prayers of your children as we come before you. We come humbly with grateful hearts. We do give thanks. We give thanks for your provision for us, both for eternity and for life here. Thank you for saving us to something that is greater than just what we can put in our pockets or fill our bellies with. And we do want to seek those things that are, that are above and we want to live for those things which are eternal. So, Lord, do the work in us that needs to be done, please. We look to you. All of this I ask. Now, please hear the prayers of your children as they come before you. I ask this in Christ's name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as Brittany plays, do business with the Lord. And then when she's finished playing, or whenever pastor steps up, we'll be finished. <laughs> <laughs> 